Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 379 of Linux in the Hamtack. This is normally our deep dive episode, but we're going to take a slight departure this time around. And we're going to play some recorded audio, but it should be of interest to everyone who wasn't able to participate originally. But before we get to that, let's introduce the normal cast of characters we have here tonight on this, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right. So what we're going to do tonight is last weekend we had the ability to participate in the Ohio Linux Fest. And on Friday night they had their Birds of a Feather session, and we did a Birds of a Feather session on linux in the ham shack and i thought it was pretty cool we had a good turnout and the recording actually wound up being over three and a half hours long so some of that is going to get turned into like supporter only information and some of it will be available (laughs) on youtube and we're not sure how we're gonna sort of break it down you know all the way through but we're gonna take the original birds of a feather session the first hour and a little bit of the post show and we're going to air it tonight as our episode number 379. So, I guess without much further ado, unless someone has anything else they need to intro before we get to that, we'll go ahead and play the audio for those folks listening tonight. And of course, you'll hear it as the podcast episode. And when we get down to the end of it, we will have some announcements and feedback. So, make sure you hang around for that. Anyway, this is our Birds of a Feather that we had on uh, the Friday of... Ohio Linux Fest 2020. So please enjoy. All right. Well, I guess we, we shouldn't just waste time while we're waiting to see your beautiful face. So what are we doing here? I don't know. Is this is this just a shill for the program, or what are we doing? Uh, we are <laughs> so bad. <laughs> shill for the program. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the afternoon trying to get set up on OBS and wound up that being sort of a non-thing uh, for various reasons. But I'm here anyway. And this is being streamed to YouTube. Is that what I get? Or is it being recorded for publishing to YouTube? I am just recording it. Recording it. Okay, good Mm deal. I'm recording too, just in case. (laughs) (laughs) Are you, are you in, well, you're into OBS, right? Do you have, um, do you have some way to share apps? Because I can share apps with my SSH client, but. Um, I I don't know. I don't have permissions anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, that's supposedly that's being worked on. Yeah, I know. That's a, um, yeah, I do have, uh, I'm on the Linux computer. I could just I share, share screens and stuff like that since I'm, I'm not actually transporting my video through uh, OBS. OBS is I'm just using to record this. Right. Okay. So, but, uh, 
But I do have everything installed on here except for have some stuff turned off. So I gave up on OBS entirely. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can still use Discord stream to uh, show my terminal windows and anything I connect to on my Shack PC. But I was kind of hoping to have a, a second camera, which is not working. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you got to test all this stuff in advance, and we're kind of last-minute people. <laughs> I'll let you know as soon as I get it fixed. Uh, okay. Yeah, no worries. We'll just keep piling through. Um, so so I guess uh, we'll introduce ourselves. This boff is called Linux in the Ham Shack because we're lazy. And, well, I guess I'm lazy because I'm the one who set the thing up. Bill and I have been hosting Linux in the Ham Shack for a while now. I can't remember how many years you've been on the show, but I've been on the show for 12 <laughs> since the very beginning, episode number one. We just released episode 377 uh, today. So 377 back episodes. If there's anything you are interested in checking out about using Linux in your ham shack. And of course we talk about all kinds of other stuff too. Uh, science, technology, education, emergency communications, preparedness. Um, we even dive into things that are not Linux, uh, BSD sometimes, Windows sometimes, Android sometimes, iOS sometimes. Anything that has to do with science, technology, amateur radio is of interest to us. And uh, lately we've been talking a lot about satellite operation because there are a lot of satellites being thrown up into the atmosphere. And uh, so that's something of interest, I guess, to, to, to some people. I, I haven't done it yet. Lots of people are into it. Um, but the, the world of amateur radio is very diverse. Uh, it started off before Linux was really a powerhouse thing because amateur radio came well before Linux or Windows or anything else for that matter. Um, Even Windows life? What? <laughs> <laughs> so so when applications were developed for amateur radio in the beginning, they tended to be Windows-focused, and now we're trying to change that paradigm. So what are you eating, chips? Oh, no, I was pulling a wrapper off a cigar. I'm sorry. I I would. Oh, that's good here. I have to wait till after we're done here. I could have done this from outside. Shoot, I could be doing that, too. Yeah, you messed up. You totally uh, messed it all up. But, yeah, I've been on uh, the show for, I think, four and a half years now. I, I've been on the last 209 episodes out of the yeah, 377. So uh, I've been around for a little bit. So we do talk about all sorts of things, and every once in a while we have on the show a roundtable discussion where we have people ask questions, talk about what they're interested in, maybe have a focal topic, sometimes we don't, and I think that was kind of the idea of what we're going to do tonight, hoping we could get some uh, audience participation perhaps to uh, help guide where this Birds of a Feather goes. Uh, when we went to, or when I went to Birds of a Feather at conferences, it was always sort of that way. It was audience-driven content. And uh, I'd kind of like it to be that way tonight as well, which is why we have unsuppressed all of you. <laughs> um, apparently, nobody can turn their video on yet. Uh, but if that's a thing, it'll be a thing. So right now, all y'all can only see me. Sad, sad for all of you. <laughs> and if you don't have a microphone and just want to comment inside the uh, Hamshack Discord channel there, just go ahead and do that because I have both up, and I'm sure Russ is also watching, so we'd be happy I to. I am watching. 
Yeah, we'd be happy to answer any questions about the podcast or, you know, using Linux in ham radio. Uh, we both use Linux as our main shack computers. That doesn't mean we don't use Windows occasionally for other things. Um, I do use Windows when I do contests, only because I'm an old N1MM Plus fan. <laughs> so <laughs> generally, I bring around the uh, really portable uh, Dell XPS 13 with Windows 10 on it and uh, N1MM Plus loaded. But uh, here in the shack, I got a got a Dell Precision hooked up to uh, 3HF radios, all of which are powered off right now, so it's not very exciting. Um, but uh, we may have to jump back a minute because you mentioned a few things. You mentioned, for one thing, N1MM, which for anyone who's in here doesn't know, that's a call sign. <laughs> um, yeah, for non-ham radio people, yeah. Right. If there's anybody <laughs> in here who's non-ham radio, my call sign is K5TUX. His is NE4RD. Um, and uh, Tony's in here, too. His is K4XSS. But one once you become licensed as an amateur radio operator, for anybody who doesn't know, you get a call sign. And, um, you know, in the United States, they sort of follow that pattern. And you also mentioned N1MM Plus, which is a logger. And for anybody who doesn't know, logging is not required anymore. It was a long-time requirement of amateur radio use in the United States and the world over, I believe. Um, it is no longer actually required, but people tend to keep track of their conversations when they when they make contacts in amateur radio and there are lots of ways to do it. And one MM plus is one that's specifically designed for contesting. And there are others for just casual conversations, but it's basically just a way to keep track of the communications you do on your amateur radio. So that when you look back 30 years from now, you can say, Oh, look, I contacted Estonia on 17 meters. Uh, you know, back when life was better. <laughs> all right go ahead sorry no no it's very good yeah so in case you don't have a call sign and stuff like that i mean we do talk about uh various topics on the on the show we talk even about beginning ham questions like how do i set up a computer how do i you know how do i get involved in ham radio in fact we just had a uh a nice discussion with how do you get youth involved in ham radio uh, what just uh, an episode ago? So last week's deep dive was with uh, a good friend of the show, uh, Sterling Mann N0SSC, and uh, he's the uh, region, uh, the IARU, the International Amateur Radio Union, uh, one of the international organizations that uh, um, it's kind of like a authority body, you know, kind of regulations body. For uh, for amateur radio operations globally, uh, he's uh, the region two, which is where we're at. We're in region two, which includes all of uh, North and South America. Uh, he's the region two liaison for youth, and uh, he was on the show for many hours. <laughs> One of our longer shows, but you know, um, we, we try to keep the content uh, good, and I think every bit of that was uh, really good content from Sterling, and we really appreciated having him on. Um, so we talk about you know getting youth involved in amateur radio and 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 how we do that and so on, um, because uh, like any hobby, if uh, if you don't keep a, a constant inflow of people into the hobby, some of the the knowledge kind of disappears because you no longer can pass knowledge on and and even though uh, a lot of people would argue that 
Uh, we got all this new fancy digital equipment and stuff like that nowadays, and who cares about the old stuff? But uh, a lot of the old stuff is uh, is still working today, and it's it's amazing how well it still works. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as as you get older, uh, you know, trying to trying to fix a radio that's digitally programmed, digitally controlled, and uh, has a bunch of surface mount. Uh, components on it is going to be non-repairable for most humans, uh, let alone a service technician. So they just rip and replace boards. Uh, you're probably familiar with this if you own an Apple product and went to the Apple Genius Bar and they said, well, just give me your laptop. We'll send it back to you with new parts in it. <laughs> we can't fix anything. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. We, we try to talk about the hobby and talk about Linux and using it in the hobby and, uh, yeah, just try to create more activity. And we're always looking for uh, new people, new listeners to come over and tell us what we're doing wrong. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we like uh, like getting out and talking to people. We go to a, a big uh, convention called HamFest every year. Of course, due to COVID this year, we did not get to go to that. That's a big U.S. convention for uh, ham radio operators where they all descend upon a little tiny town in Ohio called Xenia. So... Oh, this is, of course, Ohio Linux Fest, so how appropriate. <laughs> Actually, uh, the, you know, the Ohio Linux Fest is normally hosted in Columbus, and Columbus and Xenia uh, are very close together. They're about, what, 30 miles apart, I think, maybe 35 uh, yeah. from Columbus over there. So, yeah, I'm sure if anybody is local to the Columbus area, they know exactly where Xenia is. Um, and you said ham fest. That's a generic term. We're talking about hamvention which is the the big one, the big dog. And we're kind of hoping that Hamvention actually happens in 2021. I'd say, given the virus situation, that's still in doubt. I know some of the other larger ham fests like Hamcation, which occur earlier in 2021, have already been canceled. Um, so we're hoping that is a thing this year. It happens in mid-May. So if uh, anyone who ha is uh, into amateur radio or wants to get into amateur radio, you certainly don't have to be an operator to go to Hamvention and see what's going on there. But if it does happen in mid-May and you're in the area and want to check it out, I highly recommend it. It is definitely one of the larger conferences. Well, it is the largest conference in the United States, and I think worldwide. Not um, quite. Almost. Not quite. Okay. Yeah. It's the top three. It's definitely top three. The top three are, of course, Tokyo Ham Fair and uh, Friedrichshaven over in uh, Germany. And then, of course, Hamvention. I think those are the top three conventions right now. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since they had moved to Xenia, because I went to it, bunch of years when it was in Dayton. How is it in Xenia having the Hamvention there? It's not bad. It, we've been there, We what, the three years there so far? Um, or two? No, three. this was going to be the third year. We've it's only done third, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, it was amazing the first year because uh, we got a lot of people, you know, doing looky-loos, you know, first time at the new place, so people were kind of checking it out. So a lot of traffic that very first year in Xenia. And uh, the building's layout is pretty nice. Uh, they learned a lot of stuff from the very first year. You know, they want more food vendors. They want more shaded areas for people to sit outside and eat that food. So they kind of addressed that the second year. And, and they want less, less rain and smaller yeah, tents. 
We always want less rain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was really good. We were over in uh, uh, Building Five, called the Hertz Building, during the convention center or during the convention time, and uh, I th- I think it's pretty good. I like I like kind of running through there. You can kind of see everything uh, quite easily. It uh, all is like uh, what four buildings and two big main buildings. So two four little buildings, two big main buildings. It's very easy to kind of run around and see stuff. Now, I know there's been issues with the outdoor space for uh, uh, tailgaters, um, only because that they're kind of mixed between part of the grass parking area and part of the track. And, of course, the track is really made for, uh, like, horse carts and stuff like that. So it's a dirt track, so it tends to get pretty nasty when it rains. Uh, but other than that, I think I think the space is, is excellent. And uh, only look forward to uh, to improvements on it because they are looking at building. They were looking at building another building, but we don't know obviously anymore if that's going to happen. <laughs> so uh, we still had a, a big tent out front for uh, what they called like building six, uh, where they had about the uh, basically the overflow vendors, the vendors that couldn't get into the main buildings early enough. You know, maybe weren't that very first year weren't. Uh, weren't uh, convinced that they needed to go to the new place. Maybe they didn't realize it was going to be okay. And then, uh, uh, so they had a few vendors out there that first year. And then the, the previous year, the second year, uh, they had quite a few vendors out there. Of course, they were all complaining because it's a tent, but it's like, well, <laughs> you had your well. opportunity. <laughs> and uh, of course, the you know, arrest has been to Trotwood uh, a million times, right? And since uh, at least what, the last 10 years you've been there seven or eight times. Yeah, we did 10 years at Hera before we moved uh-huh. over to Xenia, so. And, uh, I mean, Hera was uh, an interesting place for sure, one of the largest buildings I've ever been in, but it was kind of chaotic, and a couple of the areas, particularly the East Hall and the North Hall, tended to be forgotten by a lot of the participants. So if you weren't in, like, the main ballroom or that one hall, the West Audio Hall. Audio Hall, think, yeah. Yeah, that was that was kind of an offshoot of that, and down down Audio Alley. If you weren't in that part of the building, people kind of didn't see you. <laughs> and I think Xenia is nicer because everything is segregated into separate buildings. So if you want to see everything, you know which buildings to go to. You don't have to try and figure out how to navigate through Hera. You know that there's building one, there's building two, there's building three, building four, and you can keep track of where you're going and where you've been. So overall, I think Xenia is a better place to be for the for the conference, and I hope it happens again here in 2021. Yeah, definitely an easier place to navigate. And we're we're in the same building with uh, with um, um, Heil Sound and uh, Amateur Radio Newsline, uh, the guys from WYS. Is it WYSI or no, no, the W5YI, W5YI, the audio devices and, uh, um, you know, ham, uh, God, uh, great Scott gadgets was there. Ham RF. Uh, so we're in, we're in a building with a lot of good, you know, good groups for sure. And, and because of irony, we're also right next door to. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Ham Radio Deluxe. <laughs> Ham Radio Deluxe, which is probably the most popular single amateur radio application right now, and of course it is Windows only. 
So maybe call it irony, maybe call it lucky happenstance that we're right next to them. I actually kind of enjoyed the fact that we have uh, that juxtaposition going on. And uh, I hope it continues. I hope they don't get pissed off and try and find some other place to be. <laughs> They tend to give us the evil eye quite a bit. But, they, uh, do. they do. <laughs> but I'm sure they're lovely people. <laughs> they're lovely people who are trying to take your money for something you can do for free on Linux. So that's that's there is that. But it, I think it's nice. I, I think it's cool. I've talked to them a few times. They are they are lovely people. Yeah. All Did right, that, so, that answer your question, Douglas? Yeah. Cool. Where are you at? Where are you located? Um. I lived in Dayton for a long time when I was I was in prior military. Okay. So I was out at the base for yeah. eight years, and then I retired. But then my work went down to Cincinnati, so my wife and me oh, and you're not far moved, away. To, moved to Cincinnati. And then while hair was still going on, when I could, I was making it. And then I was trying to go with a friend uh, like two years ago, and things just didn't work out so i just hadn't made it out there yet well it's a nice easy drive from cincinnati i mean it's actually quiet coming from the south side so uh (laughs) if it happens again and you have some free time i would definitely uh, make it up there it'd be worth your while to go at least for a day i know most most of the time you can get it done in a day well yeah usually i am not a ham but i have plenty of other expensive hobbies plus computers so i usually (laughs) I well, it, when I was at Hera, it took me, you know, this about a whole day because I went through everything, and I never walked back to my car without any purchases. So. <laughs> well, there is one nice thing about a ham fest, and a particularly large ham fest like Hamvention, is they have things mm-hmm. that are not necessarily amateur radio related. You can find all kinds of electronic gear, old computers, mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff like that. So. Um, so even if you're not an amateur radio operator or just sort of curious about ham radio, uh, a, a local ham fest or a big ham fest like Ham mentioned is, is definitely worth attending. Mm. Long time ago, I used to when I was in the military, I was at, worked on C-130s, and this was right when CBs got popular, uh-huh. and some of the people figured out that the HF radios would also go to the CB band. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which but you know they're pushing that particular system was pushing out a thousand watts, but <laughs> their normal operation was from five to ten to yeah. fifteen, you know megahertz, and so every so often we'd get work orders that the radio didn't work and walk into the cockpit and look bu- look down and it's a 27 something <laughs> <dial in. laughs> 27 megahertz yeah yeah so we started pull, you know pull the radio out pull the coupler out cuz they they took they took it out they took it out of commission <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Not uh, I mean people do that still, I guess today, but uh hmm. you know, most of the barefoot rigs you buy nowadays are about 100 watts. Yeah. Uh, but like most of them you clip like one diode or, you know, desolder yeah. one pad and yeah. they're fully wide open, but they're still 100 watts. You'd have to go with an amplifier to get you 1000 watts, but still 100 watts is, you know, 10 times greater than, you know, 10 watts. And I uh-huh. think most most CBs nowadays are at 5 watts or something like that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know, but they they just wanted to talk in the CB band, so they 
if they got it to tune into work, it was going to blast out anybody they were talking to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why on earth would anyone want to talk on the CB band? Have you heard the CB band? <laughs> uh, not, not in 20 years, I don't think. <laughs> I know, but like I said, I said it's been quite a while ago, but yeah, that, yeah. Uh, but I, my, when I was military, I was aircraft communications, so. If they did that and screwed up the radio, guess who had to pull the equipment out and get it fixed and push it back, <laughs> put it back in again? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure our friend here, Tony, he knows all about that stuff because uh, you know he's a uh, works on communications equipment <laughs> for the military. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do want to admit that uh, eight, eight yeah. to ten people who got into uh, amateur radio free banded CB before they did so. And, <laughs> sort of spark their interest in bigger and better yeah. things. Yeah. Well, I also spent uh, six years up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So when I had to do HF radio checks, it was more or less turn it on, and there would, you would hear nothing. And bundle up and wait about 10, 15 minutes until everything got warm. And once, once some audio started coming through, then <laughs> then I could start my test. But Oh, yeah. You got to wait for like, those tubes to warm up. Uh-huh. But <laughs> hey, Bill, can you, <clears throat> yeah. can you turn your video on yet? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no, I did a little bit of, at least there, of, you know, getting the, you know, finding, finding out what the Voice of America frequencies were and stuff like that. So, yeah, if I, you know, if I wanted to listen to something for a little bit, I could listen to that. Plus, my son was a Boy Scout for a while, and I do have a shortwave receiver. So part of one of his badges was to for short um, for ham. Yeah, and they just you just had to listen. So I set it up for him so he, he could dial through the channels and stuff. But where yeah, I'm located, yeah. where I'm in where I'm in Cincinnati is like the northwest corner over by um, Bass Pro Shop. Could couldn't really pick up a lot of channels the yeah. religious channel religious channels came through loud and clear but trying to pick up some other traffic so he could write down his what he, what he was contacting there wasn't a lot of success with that yeah it depends uh what you're actually listening for during the if you listen during the evenings uh you get down on the like the 40 meter band like uh the seven megahertz on the shortwave yeah. and you'll feel you'll hear a bunch of stuff there especially in the middle of the country and uh, there's also, if you go down into like the five megahertz band, there's a bun bunch of um, big broadcast stations there as well. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, the, the Radio Merit Badge, they separate it out into like three different components. You can do their shortwave listening as one component of it, or you can do amateur radio uh, as one component, or I believe they've even added this uh, a couple of years ago, they added a, maybe even three or three or four years ago, they added amateur radio direction finding as a component. So uh, a scout could do one of the three different items as part of their radio merit badge. And so that's kind of cool because you can even do it online. You get uh, get them on like web SDRs and then you can listen to broadcast stations from a station in Italy or something like that. And uh, that that if you go to webSDR.org, those are kind of fun to kind of play around with. And uh, there's some other sites, too, that aggregate a bunch of the uh, the web based uh, software defined radios. So you can see like uh, a waterfall and you can actually kind of see what the signal looks like on, uh, on a spectrum which is kind of neat too 
Oh, we killed it. <laughs> I killed what? Conversation. Oh, no, I killed it. No. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Hala unmuted for a minute and was going to talk. Hala, did you have something to say? Oh, I'm trying to fix the issue. Oh, okay. You're the uh, you're the tech person. That's yeah. Right. He's a, he's the guy, the man of the hour. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get something to decode on PSK31 on uh, FLDG just so we can see some stuff here. Oh, I know why I'm on the wrong frequency. <laughs> let me uh, let me fix that. Breaker, breaker. Don't even get off, start. Get Don't. off 27 megahertz. <laughs> <laughs> he got all excited. <laughs> all right, so let me get up here. You can, everybody can see that. I hope. Oh yeah, we got the watch stream button. So clicky, clicky, and you can. All see. right, let's see. I may not be on the right audio path. I got this connected to my IC seventy one hundred. See if I can get it to be on the right sound card, so it might actually decode something useful. I mean, forty meters should have something on it right now. Uh, let's see. Say, what program are you using? That's FLDigi. FLDigi, oh, okay. yes. Okay. And that's available for Windows, Linux, Mac, whatever. Yeah, you're going to shit me, but I have Ham Radio Deluxe. Oh, my God! <laughs> well, you're not going to see any DM780 on this thing, so... <laughs> to be fair, I bought it, like, several years ago, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I've used I've used it before, years and years and years ago, before it went to a payware... And, um, I mean, it was fine. I mean, I, I, you could tell it was developed by a multitude of people because none of the apps really look like each other, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they've kind of fixed a lot of that these days and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, I'm in the software business by trade. So, uh, I, I understand about having products that actually, you know, get paid for doing your work. <laughs> so I can't, can't knock it too much, but, uh, uh, they've done several things over the years that, uh, <laughs> Have been uh, not very good for the uh, <laughs> the uh, overall community. So that's probably where they get most of their uh, most of their flack from. Discord yeah. didn't handle that well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cut your video <laughs> off and everything. <laughs> Said, "Screw you! I'm out of here." <laughs> Let's see if I can get back in here so I can see what's going on. There we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that that didn't go well. <laughs> Don't close the app. You're actually streaming. Apparently, that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, let me start up something else. I'm going to start up Q Radio Link because that actually does work. And we can show that one. Sweet. You got your RTL SDR on? Or? I do have my RTL SDR connected, which for those who, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, an RTL SDR is a cheap software defined receiver mine is an older generation so it only goes from 27 megahertz to whatever the top end is somewhere in the gig range um some of the newer ones the rtl strs with the 2832 chip i think 2832u is that what they are they they will actually do all the way down into the hf ham bands let yeah. me go ahead and stream yeah, I have this the here. version two of that and I think they have the version three out now uh, on Amazon.com for like you know thirty bucks or something like that. So it's not a bad little deal to kind of start experimenting with your own little SDR. <clears throat> All right, did that crash out or anything? Nope. Am I still I see here? It. Yeah, I see it. All right. All right, good deal. So this is connected to my little RTL SDR dongle, and it's actually working. You can see down here uh, it's set to one hundred point five. 
and we can set it over to FM, like broadcast FM, because that's what 100.5 megahertz is. So if I click the little receive here, you'll see it kick on and start decoding. And there you go. And there's a, you got the little VU meter down here, which shows you that I've got a pretty loud signal here. And you can see the spectrogram or spectrum analyzer. And here's my signal right here. And you can see I'm centered on it. And right now, if I was somehow able to (laughs) decode the audio, you'd be hearing country music. But (laughs) (laughs) But that's pretty handy. Yeah, you can use this uh, for, you know, obviously decoding uh, or, you know, listening to uh, uh, VHF uh, repeaters on two meters and 70 centimeters and stuff like that. Um, You can take a look at... uh, 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 digital uh, FM stations, the local FM stations that have a digital signature as well that transport either a digital signal, HD radio, or uh, uh, what's the RDS, right? The text, text. Right, it will take over RDS. <clears throat> yeah. um, and of course, uh, you can do digital radio as well. So digital uh, uh, FM radio like DMR. Um, I'm not sure if D-Star will decode but i know dmr and fusion definitely decode there's decoders in there for that uh dmr will or sorry d star will not decode unless you have an ambi chip you you have to have ambi chip to do decoding on the audio and i know that's not built into q radio link one interesting thing about q radio link is that it is designed to stream audio into mumble so if anyone's familiar with Mumble, it's a open source uh, audio chat uh, conference program. Uh, you can actually use Q Radio Link to hook up to any number of software-defined radio devices and stream audio into Mumble. So you can share that audio with other people, anyone who's connected to your Mumble server. So that's kind of cool. And there's another program. What's What's the... What's the murmur thing that allows you to actually control uh, a rig and send audio through Mumble? Uh, you mean the, the Mumble RF or? Yeah, Mumble RF, that's it. Yeah, there's so a that, fork, yeah. That's an application that allows you to connect to your equipment, your amateur radio equipment remotely through a Mumble server, and you can operate and send audio through that through that device from a remote location if you want to do remote operations. So that's pretty cool. These are all forks of the Mumble project, which is uh, GPL, if I recall, GPL something. So, Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. look it up right now. Yeah, I'm uh, not going to look it up either. Yeah, that'd be too, that'd be too <clears throat> much. Cheryl's in here. She could. She can look it up. She, that's what she does. She's yeah. our, uh, She's our Googler of all knowledge in our, in our, <laughs> our looking up. Uh, Mumble RF to see, or Mumble, in fact, uh, the license. Probably. We can't hear you. You're you're either too far away from the microphone, or using the wrong device. I heard. I've it. turned it off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So that's cool. So that. So anyway, that's uh, Q Radio Link, which is an application we just found out about recently. So battery low. Oh, I got to turn on my thing. Holy crap! Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta plug in. <laughs> yeah, I was plugged in, and it's just that the power strip wasn't turned on. So, okay, definitely had that. 
Yeah, there's lots of cool little SDR applications that you can use inside of Linux. Uh, this just happens to be one of the, the newer ones that we found. Uh, there's uh, several that you can install, um, uh, even like SDR Angel. It's a pretty uh, pretty complete program, really uh, has a lot of extra features and decoders kind of built into it. Um, I believe there's a, uh, a snap and a flat pack for it, uh, so you can uh, install via that if you're a Linux user. And uh, <clears throat> uh, there's plenty of pl- tons of others too. If you want to get into SDR, like co- what? What? Was it, pardon? Yeah, she she ended. He ended the uh, the video stream. The video stream, yeah, yeah. Not not the whole thing. We're, <laughs> We're all still here. So um, yeah, so SDR has kind of like uh, been growing in popularity. A lot of people use it uh, in all environments because you know you can plug in a really cheap dongle. And uh, run software. If you're using Windows, you'll use something like SDR Sharp, which is a great little application. Uh, there's many that are based upon that kind of UI, so you can uh, uh, be familiar with how to use it and stuff like that. Um, but of course, we're <coughs> all about Linux. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh. Here is uh, a G Predict, it's a satellite tracking. Yeah, I thought I would show this one. We tend to show it when we're at Hamvention just because it's useful for people who are not necessarily amateur radio operators, but just have an interest in what's in the sky. Uh, you can get TLE data, which is three-line element data. I'm sorry, two-line element data uh, for basically anything that's not a dark dark satellite <laughs> and and maybe some that are i don't know um and you can plug that information into this application and you can track it so if you want to go out some night and see the iss go over which you can actually can with the naked eye you don't need uh, anything other than that well you do need certain times of the day to pick it up really well from the eye you know <laughs> Well, right, absolutely, and that's that's what you can use GPredict for. Uh, one of the major things GPredict is used for is to help people who do satellite operations, amateur radio communication via satellite, to know when a satellite is going to pass over their location so they can be ready when it happens. But if you just want to see the ISS, this can help you see the ISS as well. And if you've done what I did in the last couple of weeks, you downloaded the Starlink launch information data into this, and then you can see the bazillion satellites that are going up to do uh, your your new version of the Internet yeah. via satellite. So. Yeah, switch over to that so we can see your computer crash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the TLEs for Starlink in here. so. Oh, okay, yeah. Nice part about this program, it will update the TLEs automatically from uh, source. So I think if you go up to what is it, edit or file and something like that, they have update TLEs from network. Yeah, <clears throat> right here, and you can well, you can't see it because it's in a different window, but it's updating everything. <laughs> it's showing me that there are 100 new, 193 new satellites. Those might be Starlink. I don't know. <laughs> and, and you see how the ISS just jumped from the Pacific Ocean over to uh, Australia all of a sudden. <laughs> Because <laughs> obviously your TLEs were out of date. They were very out of date, yes. <laughs> but the nice part is if you click on a satellite, so uh, pick on uh, pick on one. I think you can show the path. Oh, okay, so it tells you when your acquisition of signal is going to occur. Uh, you can see when you clicked on it, it's highlighted. And on the right, you see that on the green right below it, it has ISS AOS, which is acquisition of signal. Oh, I do have Starlink data in here, but let's see. Let's do the ISS. So here's the ISS right here. 
Yeah, so it kind of tells you where it's going to be and which direction it's going to come from. So it says that he's going to have a signal available to it in two hours and 11 minutes and 12 seconds or something like that. Yeah, and down. And if you look at his polar map, is there a dot on your polar map? Or is that just my screen that's all... Yeah, maybe I think that screen. might be your screen that's crowded over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> my screen gets, you know, spit on because I'm in here all the time. So uh, I have all kinds of stuff on it. Um, see if you can add, uh, switch over to something that's like overhead. I don't know if you can do that uh, easily. You might have to just uh, open up a different satellite set. Just a heads up. Uh, Streaming is fixed. Oh, there we go. Oh, I see that. Look at that. I can turn on my camera now. So you can see me on my shack. All right. Excellent. Party time. Excellent. So actually, I can switch over and show you the the pass map here. I Why did I do that? I didn't mean to do that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's it's like it won't it won't allow me to pick a sub window. Well, that sucks. That's funny. Well, you probably just need to share the screen or something like that. So you can. Yeah, I guess I could share the screen. Let me try that. So let me switch over here. Change windows. Do screen. Go live. Okay, over to G Predicts and here. So here's the next pass. So you get a full polar pass. So the polar kind of tells you where it's going to be at in the sky. So you can see that the pass details is going to it's going to come from uh, looks like the south and pass all the way over to the east. So that'd be a really low elevation pass for him. So you can see that it's peaking at what about the. yeah, so you get the yeah. elevation. So above the uh, horizon, that one would be a really bad pass to to work if you uh, were required a good signal because uh, six six degrees over the horizon is not very much. Oh yeah, let's so go to Yeah, so let's look at AO ninety one, and let's do next next pass. Oh, we got we got some high passes here. Yeah, so look here, at the polar but- on that one. So that one's kind of yeah, cool. So you can see it's going to go slightly uh, over overhead from south to uh, actually from north to north to south. So uh, and this is a really cool program that it also allows you to hook up if you happen to have an azimuth and elevation uh, antenna rotator. So if you already have a satellite antenna set up, this will actually uh, turn your satellite antennas automatically so that it's pointing right at the bird as it flies by. And a lot of these satellites, if you're not familiar with them, they kind of act like repeaters somewhat. They either have an FM transponder in it, which allows you to go in via two meters, which is like 144 megahertz, and and come out on 70 centimeters, which is 440 or 430 some odd megahertz um, for satellites, Uh, or vice versa. It'll be flipped UHF to VHF. And uh, you can talk through them with uh, as simple as a little small uh, dipole antenna that you hold with your hand or uh, or if you have a, a pointable antenna on a stack or whatever, then you can do it with that as well. Um, and then you can talk through it. And then they also have satellites that operate with what's called a linear transponder, which allows you to run all mode, uh, which would not be like FM. It would be a single sideband or Morse code into the satellite, but you can kind of you know, schedule your passes based upon future passes. So you can say, oh, for my conditions in my area, I can operate this satellite for this amount of time. Like in uh, in uh, my uh, my particular location, I have uh, obstruction to the north, 
because because uh, they have rims behind my house. I live in Montana, and we have uh, rims that kind of pass over there, so I don't really have much propagation to the north. <laughs> It'd have to be a, probably a 40-degree 40, uh, 40 degree from the pass uh, from the north for me to actually hit the bird. So, um, but you can kind of plan it for your location based upon your topology and, and, and stuff like that. So that's one of the many cool little programs that you can use and, and participate in. We got any other ones off the top of your head that I can fire up here? We can look at, <laughs> uh, uh, my, my, my FL Digi wasn't working super well and my WSJTX wasn't really working at all. Um, oh yeah. Cause it wasn't coming across from the UI. Because you're transporting it, right, via X? Yeah, I'm transporting it over X via SSH. So. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, what else can we talk about? CQR log looked like crap, too, so I'm not going to do that one either. <laughs> <laughs> not everything likes transmitting over X. <laughs> no, no, I understand that. I'm just trying to think of... I tried also uh, XNEC2C, which is an antenna modeler, which didn't work well at all. What else yeah. is out there? There's all kinds of stuff, but uh, let's see what I let's see if I can share. Yeah, my you share something. Screen. <laughs> Preferably one that I don't have. Oh no, I don't care. Back, back, back. Let's see. Screen. Uh, so I'm using uh, Ubuntu. I believe Russ is using Ubuntu right now as well. On my Shack computer, I'm using the Linux in the Ham Shack Ubuntu build. Yes, with uh, the Budgie desktop. So let me just bring up some stuff here. Uh, but we talk about how to use it on all kinds of uh, distributions. The ones we talk about most often are. Hey, you're oh, transmitting sorry. your audio. <laughs> no, it's, I, I launched Quisk and it was unhappy. So, uh, oh yeah. So, so the ones that. we talk about the most are um, Debian, Ubuntu, Fedora, and occasionally Arch, uh, because all of them have amateur radio software repositories set up. So, those are the ones we tend to focus on. But any, we we also try and give advice on any distribution that you want to use. So if you're if you're one of those people who's like really into Gen 2 or something like that, I mean, we'll try and help out or whatever in whatever way we can. But I think we, we definitely tend to focus on Debian, Ubuntu, and Fedora with a smattering of the other ones thrown in uh, just because like there, there is support in SUSE and Gentoo and blah 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 blah. But, and of course, anything can be built for whatever architecture and, and op- operating system you're using. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, the reason why we use Ubuntu specifically is because uh, it's easy to get the uh, Ham Radio Pure Blend packages, uh, which is a uh, is a meta package for the Debian environment that encompasses a bunch of Ham Radio software. Um, and it's kind of real easy to kind of jumpstart your system, uh, to get it on there. We have, uh, we have some videos on our YouTube channel that, that kind of go over getting your ham shack computer ham radio ready. They are a little dated cause I think I did them originally on 1710 or 1810. So they're kind of old we've been meaning to redo them. And, but my, uh, my capture card has been busy doing other stuff lately. So I haven't been able to, <laughs> to bring up a system cause I really want to do it with, uh, uh, real hardware and stuff like that. And I'm, 
I'm gonna eventually get back to it after I get through this show that I I've grown the stash for. So I'm uh, I'm actually in an opera. He's an opera star of all yeah. things. Yeah. So uh, uh, I have to do that first, <laughs> and then, we'll, and then we'll, we'll get back to doing all that fun stuff. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't have any. I don't have my radio hooked up to this. So like I'm not gonna be able to show any uh, any interesting. Uh, stuff. Um, let me see. See, I control this interesting stuff, but I was having this weird interaction between whether I wanted to use OBS into Discord and be able to show multiple camera angles or whether, uh, I use Linux where I had easy access to, to exporting. And yeah, it's just a bunch of crap. So somebody had a cool background there. Uh, I like the, uh, the rocking in front of the, <laughs> whatever that was. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's our, that's our tech wizard who actually finally figured out how we can stream and get everybody to. Gosh, don't remind me. (laughs) Yeah, we're almost to the end and we got it finally. (laughs) So I think now, I mean, since we have 10 minutes left, if you have any questions and stuff, you maybe want answered, uh, uh, like that last one, we'll, we'll go ahead and field some questions. So go ahead and feel free to unmute yourself and, uh, ask away we're, we're by no means experts at this stuff but uh we'll be happy to fake it for you well we've <laughs> we've both been in the in the hobby for 25 years and more at this point and i've been using linux since 1994 shortly after i became an amateur radio operator and i don't remember if we talked about bill when you picked up linux the first time but uh, you know, I didn't mess with Linux until it was probably '96, and I uh, had I was do- using it for a side project at work, and then I became a, a network engineer, and I was using Sunboxes, so I was using SunOS 4.1. Um, so yeah, I've been involved with with the, uh, Linux for quite a while. Ham radio, I didn't really, I don't even have a computer set up. <laughs> <laughs> when I started ham radio, uh, I, although I had a computer, I ran a bulletin board and stuff like that. So, um, well, I did, I did, uh, ham radio way before, well, I don't want to say way before, but at least a year before I was doing Linux because I was actually running a pre Linux operating system called Minix, which I'm sure some folks are familiar with. Um, but I only had a 286SX to run it on. And of course, as we know, Linux didn't run on anything before 386. So I had to run Minix and I was doing packet radio, which involved a terminal node controller and sending packets over a uh, 300 baud packet modem or a 1200 baud, depending which way you had it set, <laughs> uh, using RF and Minix on a 286. And I, my first experience with Linux proper was right after I was in college working with BSD Unix on a DECVAX machine with uh, Debian 2. Debian 2 was the first Linux I ever installed. So <laughs> this uh, a few years ago. <laughs> and uh, definitely not as easy as it is today. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, the three, the three, the three kernel. When you still had to plug in a device and rebuild your kernel because modularization was barely a thing. Uh, We've talked about that before. But, yeah, one of the nice things about talking about Linux these days is how easy it is for people to use it. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that you can get quick quick started just with a uh, you know a live CD, and uh, we build on our website. You can find uh, distributions that we've actually already pre-added the Ham Radio Pure Blend to. So you can kind of get started and see what the apps would look like and what would they would run like on your computer. You know, you plop the ISO on a thumb drive, boot up the thumb drive, and you can kind of take it for a test drive, test all your hardware out and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, so we do uh, a lot of amateur radio. I'm more of an HF guy. I got all these uh, fancy uh, ICOM 703s. I do a lot of QRP here in Montana. Uh, Russ is in Missouri. He does a lot of HF and also... Uh, She's DMR, D-Star, Fusion, all kinds of fancy digital <laughs> VHF, I, UHF. <laughs> everything except satellite. I try and do it all, but I have not gotten into satellite yet. And the biggest problem with that is I just don't have the antenna set up with the diplexer necessary to do real uh, satellite work. But as soon as that happens, then I'll be into that too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of ham radio guys start out with one of these little things here. This is just a sample little VHF, UHF, two meter, you know, 440, uh, walkie, handy talkie. Uh, this gets you into most of your local repeaters. This is just the, this is the evil one that a lot of guys talk about, the Bay of Fangs. Um, the problem with them is they, they just work. And, uh, <laughs> they're only like 30 bucks. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, obviously, or you can spend lots of money and get radios that have cool displays like this one. So. There you go. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> FT three DX or something like that. What is that called? FT three DR background. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like most radios today are all software defined. Like this is a software defined radio as well, even though it's you know thirty five bucks. It literally is running on a chip, um, and you know much like the radio he's got. What did you have to say? I was just going to say we need to convince Holler to. Um, get his license <laughs> yeah there you go it's so oh, easy right over my head no it's not <laughs> it's so easy it's a 35 question test and uh it's there's no morse code anymore it's so easy to get a license and the licenses are good for 10 years so you'll probably forget about renewing it before the renewal comes up and the nice part about it is the technician license kind of gets you a little bit of HF, uh, mainly the CW portions to kind of learn how HF works. Uh, but it gives you a VHF from six meters up, which gets you to do all kinds of fun stuff, including satellites, which are all on you know available to technician licenses and stuff like that. And a lot of guys run with you know, a couple of handhelds, and that's all they have, and a little antenna that they hold up with their hand. And then go out to a parking lot and, and get it set up and, and work uh, stations quite far away via satellite flinging through you know the sky at you know several hundred miles an hour. So it's a, it's kind of a really accessible hobby. Yeah, I've got right now. I've got my radio here connected to uh, America Link. So this is this is Yezu System Fusion with my little handheld that I've got here, and it's connected to as you can see right here. You can see right here. 513 connected stations right now. So if I wanted to talk to some folks on my little handy talkie via the internet, all connected right here. Super easy. I mean, this radio is a little on the pricey side. I definitely don't recommend this as your starter kit, but because <laughs> uh, the Baofeng is like 22 and this one is 400. So, you know, you get what you pay for, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, as you get uh, in, you also can get into apps that uh, run on your cell phone. This is uh, Echo Link, and this allows you to connect to uh, various uh, amateur radio repeaters and other stations directly, and you can talk via your cell phone. Uh, Wait, do- we should we should do that. We can do that right now. Get on to my connect to my five four seven one one on Echo Link. Okay, I'm connected. It's that easy. Right. Press the connect button. I mean, it was that that easy. Let me let me get on there now. <laughs> yeah, for him it's a lot harder. <laughs> I don't think I have it installed on my phone anymore. I did a long time ago. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Russ runs a uh, a node at his house there. You can see K5TUX. That's his call sign TAC L, which is uh, the link basically. And uh, so I'm logged in as myself. So any 4RD, and we'll see if he gets on here. Oh, I can hear. Receiving. I'm trying. To, I'm trying. We're, there you are. You're Wait. on it. Oh, I'm on it. Yeah. November Echo Four. Oh. <laughs> We're ah. talking to you. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Go ahead. Any four RD Kilo Five Tango Uniform X-ray. So there you go. Right through the internet, uh, two different ways. K Five TUX. This is Any Four RD. There you yeah. go. <laughs> so it all works. So, there you go. Um, so you can do it with as simple as a cell phone. So I'm not connected to any radio whatsoever, but yet I'm getting over to Russ's house there in Missouri. And uh, and then technically I could go onto the local repeater here and also connect to the node and have the local repeater would be connected as well. So there's a lot of uh, capabilities of, of getting all these diverse devices that are RF out there in local areas connected via the Internet. It allows you to to kind of uh, circumvent what we call propagation, which is uh, getting a signal from point A to point B. You can uh, you can bridge it via the internet and uh, and and be able to uh, make make communication work via the internet as well with your handy talkie or your cell phone via those options. Or you know if you just if you want to go straight to an antenna, you know you go with like an HF radio and. Uh, and then you can talk all over the world, obviously, here, given propagation, uh, which would be whether or not the uh, <clears throat> the sun is cooperating with us or not. <laughs> I see we just, we just rolled up on the end of the boff. So are we time limited? Can we sit here and ask if there are any if final questions? If you have a couple follow-up questions, you can stop, but you can continue as long as you want. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. So, yeah. I'm just going to stop the stream here in a second. So if you want to finish up with lead out, then you continue talking. Yeah, before before he uh, finishes up with that, let's ask if there's anybody who has a quick question, and we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. I have a quick question. Okay, um, yeah, go for it. Due to the COVID, a lot of the pollution and stuff has disappeared, except before the forest fires. So has that had any effect on who you can contact or a distance you have with the well, the... COVID has had an effect in the sense that there are a ton more people you can talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody else has nothing to do anymore, so they're on the radio. (laughs) So (laughs) a lot of guys working from home and whatnot, you know, can get on the radio and uh, you know, for as far as yeah, they take down towers, they take down antennas, uh, stuff like that for like some of the commercial repeaters and stuff. Um, but, uh, but in general, it doesn't affect, uh, ham radio cause ham radio is, you know, emergency communications at its heart. So it can always, always go depending upon the operator. Like, how do you want to operate? And, you know, you can throw up a portable antenna. I got antennas I can take in my car and stuff like that, that I can operate without a repeater or anything else. 
Um, so yeah, you can do do whatever you want. So I guess before he ends the stream, you should probably mention where you can find us. So that gets on the their recording. Yeah, we should probably do that. Uh, you can find us at Linux in the Ham Shack if you Google LHS Podcast info or just type that into your address bar or Google for Linux in the Ham Shack. You'll find it. That is a clearinghouse for all of our information. It has links to our online store the RSS feeds for the podcast, the YouTube channel, where you can find us on Reddit, Discord, and everything. We have our own Discord server. So please check that out. Uh, be a part of the show. Come listen. We do have 377 episodes under our belt already. Uh, 378 comes out on Monday. And we take all feedback from all places in all the world. We love to hear everybody who has anything to say about Linux, about uh, science and technology, education, any of the topics that we cover. And we'd love to have you join us. And so you can if, find our podcast in any of your little podcatcher devices, whether it be iTunes or uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. We're available everywhere, and you can find that catalog there as well. And you can even listen to us on your Alexa. So, yeah. it, so if you have one of those, I'm I'm tweaking your Alexas right now. Alexa, listen to Linux in the Hamshack. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, all right. Any any quick questions before we wrap this up? Ah, cool. So, yeah, you can end the recording, and we'll uh, just kind of hang out here. If anybody else has well, anything else they want to add, we'll just hang out for yeah, a little while. You guys are free. Thanks. All right, great. Hey, hey, as long as you like. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll hang here for a minute and see if anybody has anything else other than that we'll we'll let it go but thanks everybody for joining us and we really appreciate your uh you're watching the the stream here being a part of this birds of a feather and your participation now i was just gonna say you said you all those distros are on your webpage. yeah it's a link on the left hand side of the webpage, and it has a link to my basically um, repo of random junk. <laughs> I think it says uh, what does it say? LH or LHS builds or something like that. Oh, man. Yeah, because um, a lot of my stuff, I I have what's called like those Lenovo tinies that you see a lot, like um, you know, in businesses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And well, I take care of them, so I bring the old ones home. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. So I have several of those, and I easily like when I experiment with stuff, I just throw a hard drive in something, and I just spin it up as a normal computer and just play with it until it dies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Here, I'll just go ahead and share my webpage screen. We didn't get to talk about any of the Pi stuff. We didn't talk about any Raspberry Pi-based <laughs> Stuff so, at all, so. so yeah, I'm just sharing the web page here. If you go under our web page down here on the left hand side, there is a, a LHS Ubuntu builds basically, which uh, opens up to my little dumping ground of stuff. So the latest build I have uh, put out there is Ubuntu Budgie uh, 2004.1. I did it uh, well, a couple months ago, I guess now at this point. Um, we tend to stay on the uh, on the uh, LTS builds only because uh, the repo gets a little weird and wonky when you get into the uh, you know the interim releases. Like uh, we just had twenty point ten come out, um, so uh, stuff does get a little bit weird. <laughs> uh, so this build is really good. That's that actually the one that I'm running right now is the Ubuntu Budgie twenty point oh four. I'm running one. the same thing. So yeah, so it runs really well. Um, Again, uh, we record uh, live on Thursday nights, uh, Central Time, what, 9 p.m. Central Time? 9 p.m. Central, yep. And we actually stream it live. You can actually come in here, and it'll grab the 
the the live link and when we turn it on the streaming it, it becomes live otherwise you can kind of go on here and you got music and you got lhs up all night which basically plays with the last five or so episodes and constant rerun or something like that well it's uh, the last two but they're yeah in okay. constant circulation constant yep. circulation but you can find all kinds of uh stuff all of our previous episodes and uh we have uh obviously you know good show notes and stuff like that. So you can kind of go back and uh, look at what we talked about. If you're looking for a very specific topic, you know, like let's say fedora or something like that, um, you could search easily and then find, you know, everything that we've talked about, which episodes we've talked about it and maybe, you know, what the context of that discussion was. So, um, yeah, yeah, we have uh, a lot of content and uh, constantly are looking for new stuff to put on there. (laughs) Absolutely. Sorry. Um, on the software, you don't have any problem with like the being the radio controlling and stuff like that. It all just like natively works, or is there like a little Ham, Hamlib is built into it? And yeah. Hamlib is the the back end for most um, most applications. Leverage that library for for um, radio control. Mm-hmm. It doesn't control every radio in the world, but it controls everything you've ever heard of. <laughs> and uh, unless the application developer has included their own radio control library, everything is based on Hamlib. And that's cross-platform as well, too, so it'll work wherever you happen to be using. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, you can see Hamlib here as a builds out for Windows 32, 64, and stuff like that, as well as a source build, so you can actually build it yourself, but there's already uh, builds in the repo. Uh, the nice part about the um, uh, going into the GitHub for it is you can find additional radios that maybe haven't made it out to a build yet. Let's say like ICOM, um, you know, they might have. Uh, I don't think they have the 705 here yet, do they? No, they don't have the 705 yet. The, the, the instruction set is probably similar to some other ICOM radios, so you could probably find one that would work even if they haven't built one specifically yeah. for the 705 yet. So. I was trying to think. They do have the uh, XML files that define the radio somewhere as well, and uh, you'll be able to be able to download those separately and bring those in and import them into your Hamlib and run latest greatest radios and stuff like that uh, without any issue. Um, and as well, if you run like uh, I think FL FL Digi obviously has its own application that controls rigs, which is uh, FL Rig, which is this application right here. And uh, this uses it sort of a similar kind of library as well. Um, and this allows you to control your rig and opens up some other options depending upon your rig, whether you can control, you know, the DSP and stuff like that in your, your rig and stuff like that. And it also allows you to interop with other programs without a problem. Um, yeah, you can see they have obviously they have the Elecraft stuff and... and Definitely think they just added the 705 in beta somewhere. Um, but these pr- applications are always updated. Uh, if if you stay on the main repos, you end up with, uh, a- you know, applications that are slightly out of date at sometimes, you know, because the industry does change. We're, you know, it is ham radio and it's been around forever, but, like, we do get new radios and new stuff. So if you happen to buy the latest, greatest technology, you kind of have to be up on your game on on maintaining your own software locally on your computer because you're not going to find it in the repo because by the time they make an update, it's not going to get into the LTS until it goes through all the various steps to get a package approved for a version upgrade. (laughs) So... So normally you have a, a system that's sort of LTS based security wise and then and then you kinda 
add your own software, uh, depending upon what you start using and stuff like that. Yeah, because I'm always up for new things to try and play with and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's cool. t- tons of stuff out there. <laughs> Any other and, questions, huh? And, and if you're wondering what all the other stuff is, that's what the show's about, so... <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about just about anything, including stuff that's boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, pretty much. Oh, and then the Weekenders. I mean, since we're off air, we can talk about the Weekenders. There's a we do a specific uh, type of episode every third episode called the Weekender, and the Weekender does have amateur radio and open source content. We have to throw that in there because it's in theme with the program, <laughs> but then we diverge into all of the things we actually like talking about. Like for example, what I'm drinking right now, which is uh 1792 foolproof <laughs> and uh, Cheryl who's in the chat here. Oh, well she was in the chat here. I guess she may have just disappeared. Oh no, she's still there. Um, does a, she does recipes and we talk about food. We talk about music. We talk about movies interesting things and stuff like that so we we combine all things into the program and we kind of separated that that episode out into a separate feed for people who are maybe more interested only in the tech content and the deep dives and the things we do uh they can sort of skip that one but if you if you want to get into more lifestyle focused things or um just discussion about movies and entertainment or or whatever's going on now you can check those out as well we've done we've done 60 of those up to now so um those those are fun for me i mean i i hope they're fun for everybody else too but just a little diversion if you want to uh, dive into those as well. So I, I did have a question on our last one. You talked about this Kentucky Tavern straight bourbon whiskey. And you, gave, <laughs> you gave it a 74, and I was looking at the last one you did, was, which was the 10 high. You gave it a 73. Is this one better than the 10 high? It's, it is better than the 10 high, but only for one reason, because the 10 high is not actually whiskey. Oh, okay. That's why. Because... <laughs> Ten, ten high is mixed with other liqueur. It's it's mixed with neutral spirit. Ah, it's blended with spirit. Yeah, so it's right. a blend with neutral of neutral spirit. So it's not actually a true bourbon. It's whiskey flavored so bourbon or whiskey flavored spirit. Right. <laughs> it's whiskey flavored vodka, basically. So while it tastes a little better than Kentucky Tavern, it can't be rated higher than that because it's not actually whiskey. <laughs> and I did have a request from my friend today. He was talking, and he's like, "Have you have you reviewed?" Uh, Basil Hayden. Oh, was that Sterling who asked about that? No, no, it's actually a friend of mine that I just had coffee with today. He was like, hi, if you haven't had Basil Hayden, I don't know. (laughs) Well, uh, I have not not reviewed Basil Hayden, and if you recall, I called out Sterling for drinking Basil Hayden for several reasons. So maybe you could direct your friend to our deep dive episode where I talked about... Uh, why no one should drink Basil Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> I must have forgot that in our conversation. I was like, oh, so now I'm going to have to re-listen to the episode. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, get him to listen to the episode anyway. But, of course, when we talked about that, it was probably, like, way towards the end. And I know that episode was, like, over two hours long. So normally, by the way, we didn't talk about this, but our episodes tend to run about 30 minutes. We try and keep it in that 
you know, easy listening sweet spot. So if you're, if you've got some windshield time, if you're out mowing the lawn or whatever, you can kind of, uh, you can pack one or two in, especially if you can listen at like one and a half speed or whatever. But when we do the deep dives, they can get involved and they can get really technical and in depth. And sometimes they run to an hour, hour and a half or two hours. But typically speaking, an episode's about 30 minutes. So yeah. easily digestible. Yeah, so let's see, what was the last, uh, the last, uh, short one was, yeah, 37 minutes for the weekender. And yeah, there's, there's our last short show, 38 minutes. So yeah, we're between 30 and 40 minutes for our normal shows. And the, the deep dives can go off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true enough. Like yeah, we we have like a like five lines for our notes to make the show, and then all of a sudden we have you know two two hours of content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually the one the one before this one, the one about um, the one we were talking to the guys from Grid Tracker, the part three one. Yeah, I'm interrupting That's... for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Everybody's about ready to move in here. Just a heads warning. What's that? Heads Everyone's up. moving. Everybody's moving in here. Just a heads up. Oh, is it oh, going to cool. be a different one or something, or or everybody's just coming here? <laughs> everybody's just moving up here. <laughs> Sweet, oh, that's cool. We have our own channel. No one can take us off the air. Yeah. Screw everybody! <laughs> <laughs> I just to give you guys a heads up. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Everybody can come in here and join us. We're just oh uh, no, absolutely. The more the merrier. That's yeah, that's fantastic. Just a heads up. <laughs> Woo! Like, we like to get bombed. So uh... <laughs> I am getting bombed right now. Actually, I need to pour myself another one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's out there. Are you going to smoke another one later? Because I, I would like one. That was actually my last one. <laughs> uh, yes, you're such a loser. I'll, 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 I'll have a drink with you, though, later if you want to do one. <laughs> All right, that'll work. That'll work. Because I've got a Gurkha. Um, what the hell is this? Guardian? Warrior? Warrior, maybe. Warlock? Guard, something? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I need I need to take that one down. Yeah. So and if, and if you join our Discord, we do occasionally have uh, cigars in the afternoons, so you can uh, catch us on our live channel doing cigars. And once in a while, we actually put a YouTube video out talking about our shop talk, which is normally just yeah. cigar talk. <laughs> well, no, no, it's it's Linux and amateur radio talk while we have cigars and whiskey. That's that's what it is. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. At the right time. Hey, welcome. (laughs) Welcome all people. We are now just talking about whatever the hell we're talking about. So, (laughs) oh man. So, so the ham radio talk is over. We would love to talk about about that. I I still have my radio right here in my hand. Bill. um, Very cool. I have all mine, my cell phone radio. The real radio. I can tell down. you, my only experience with radio is really uh, kind of sad, and I'm afraid to admit it. But we used to do something called CB chasing. Yep. Do you oh. guys know about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So in the Midwest, we would essentially like have CB radios, and you know, like black sheep. This is candy cane. You got your ears on over, and we would just like drive in opposite directions, and then try to see if we could actually catch them. Um, it's called yeah. it's called fox hunting, and even in amateur radio, it's still a thing. Yeah. Oh, so, very cool, very cool. Yep. 
it, it's well, done. It's done with a little more style, a little more class than a CB Fox does. <laughs> but but it's exactly the same thing. So. Fair, fair. I like yeah. that. It's like what you said, but better and classier. I guess, I got you. Speaking of classiness, I think I'm going to be right back. But I will I will come back and and join you. I don't have cigars, but I will try to acquire whiskey. Not, not acquired at all. <laughs> I, I will be right back. All right, excellent. Say, I've got a friend that likes chasing the um, weather balloon beacons. As they oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yep. And apparently there was one that landed within about a half a mile of my house, and I was talking to him as he was running around my house trying to find it. <laughs> That's cool. funny. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of balloons up at all the time. Um, what was a good site for that? The HAB site. What is it? The High Altitude Balloon website. See if I find that. H A B. So we don't have to like server unmute anybody now. Everybody can deal with their own stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Hollis not here anymore. So no, I figure yeah, that channel's unrestricted. He, he, yeah, he fixed it to where everybody just has access to everything. All right, all right, excellent. Yeah, so, so I'm just gonna go live again. So like that, that website there. Trust him. <laughs> this website here tracks uh, high altitude balloons. It's uh, called Hab Hub. Abhub.org, and uh, you can track all kinds of stuff. Um, and of course, it's loading. So, kind of neat. Yeah, you can find various uh, birds that are up. Uh, there you go. The balloons are slowly loading, and you can click on a particular one and see its path and trajectory and future path and stuff like that. Uh, kind of a neat little little website. Um, you get little graphs over here on the left that kind of show you their flight patterns, um, altitude kind of showing on the graph as well, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, these are always going up. In fact, there's a good friend of ours, uh, Tom Medlin, K5 or W5KUB. Uh, he has a netcast that he does on his website and uh, YouTube, and uh, he's been launching some balloons. And I think the last one went around the uh, globe, what, four times, three or four times? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's pretty good success. Uh, I've launched uh, a few of them at uh, at a national jamboree with the Boy Scouts, and uh, ours never went that far, but uh, it was still kind of fun learning about it. And uh, we have uh, several videos of the whole process on uh, on the uh, K2BSA YouTube channel. Uh, not to beep beep. <laughs> Honk the horn, but uh, yeah, there's some videos out there, and uh, we also have uh, videos of uh, uh, ISS you, passes and stuff. Yeah. Since you're talking about mapping of things, why don't you show um, APRS.fi? We can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, I I use I do that a lot. So this will, of course, uh, when you load APRSFI, it'll load up your local area because it's grabbing your you know location. And I'm in Billings, Montana. So there's not much going on here, you know, of the 10 hams that are here. <laughs> but you can zoom out and you can find uh, find people by location, you know, especially if you're going to go over, let's just go to California here. We'll just kind of zoom in and we'll see if we can find some <laughs> folks over here. Yeah, I was actually trying to find my handheld because I could turn it on real quick and ping it for you. But uh, apparently it's not next to me. So yeah, you can find like if I wanted to find Russ here, I just search for K five TUX. Do do star K five TUX star because I oh. actually have several entries. So so wildcard oh. that mother. 
Well, it finds uh, that. So we'll go. Yeah. So star K five T U X dash star. So if you know call sign you're looking for, you can find all the various um, items or you know um, devices that are connected via APRS, which APRS is, stands for what automated packet reporting system. That is correct. Yeah, so uh, not amateur radio packet reporting system. It's uh, and not and not, uh, not position, position reporting. It's packet no. reporting. So that's right because it, it originally <laughs> originally started just a packet thing, but it, it has grown way beyond that, obviously. And then you can select the device. It tells you the last time it heard the device. Uh, let's see here, thirty-two days. This was Russ probably driving uh, back from uh, New Hampshire, right, or something like that. <laughs> uh, that was that was my trip over to Walmart or something. I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> So you can see uh, Russ here went to Walmart, and if, uh, let's see, uh, are you on here, Tony, for anything, K4XSS? K4XSS. Yeah, let's see here. So we can see, oh, no, there's VK4. Yeah, there's Tony. Uh, he was out in his vehicle 16 days ago. He doesn't get to leave the island very much. So uh, but <laughs> he was uh, hanging out there, uh, checking out the beach, the chicks in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, APRS is pretty cool. You can track people that are in motion. Uh, it kind of gives you their projected. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, good example I was going to give you was um, N zero RC dash nine came okay. up. Yeah, so there you go. He must have just left, and uh, he's heading. He's driving through town at twenty seven miles an hour at an altitude of nine hundred ninety one feet. So. That would be like 2,000 foot below my house at this point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can kind of find all kind of cool information. Uh, they have uh, weather stations can be on here as well. Um, like here's a WX right here. So here's a weather station, and it transmits uh, temperature and stuff like that. Uh, you know, like the 63 degrees, 72% humidity. So a lot of people with uh, little home, you know, Campbell Hall's files or whatever, uh, weather stations can uh, pop it on if they're an amateur radio operator and transmit all that data out. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of um, cool. Also, something real quick. If you unselect that one, you know, just uh, where it's not just showing him, but a broad scope, it also shows you, like, hospitals and things like that, too, if you just do an empty search. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so and here you can see all that. a lot of stuff, you know, in there. Um, so you can see there's a repeater in there and a, and a lot of other stuff. And it kind of shows you, too, the path in which the packet took to get to wherever it's going. And, uh, you know, like just hovering over this one, you know, it bounced over from the hospital digipeter over there. And uh, then it got back to this repeater that's over here. So I'll, I'll warm it up. So yeah, yeah, APRS is kind of cool, um, and you can find balloons on this as well. So um, there'll be balloons that have APRS that'll be tracked here as well. Let's see if I can find one of Tom's balloons. W five KUB. I can see some of his. Yeah, so you can see here we have uh, balloons. These are all they got the balloon icon, so you can tell that. Uh, and you can see when the last they were on. So here's W KUB twenty. Let's see. So this is out in Memphis. So this is actually probably one that hasn't launched yet. So this is actually at Tom's uh, at Tom's place where he was testing it. Um, but yeah, you can follow balloons on here, or you can follow in detail. You can follow here as well. I haven't uh, I haven't been very good with HabHub and finding stuff. I think it only finds stuff that are actually floating. So like right now, there's no vehicles for uh, Tom. Um, 
but you can get the idea. So there's a lot of cool things you can track there. Um, some of the things we talked about uh, earlier was like web SDR. You can come here to webSDR.org and find little stations that are on the air that you can come over and, and actually listen to. Like this one here probably probably doesn't even play the audio, so you can't hear it. But yeah, you can uh, see what the signals are. Like this one's on 40 meters right now, and you can actually tune in to signals and stuff like that and, and listen to uh, the signals and stuff like that. Um, so you can kind of see what's going on in ham radio without actually being in ham radio, which is kind of slick. Um, uh, you can, you know, look for CW stuff. That'd be down here in this area. Um, if you wanted to learn and copy some CW, um, you can also see lots of traffic. These are probably AM stations right here. <laughs> Those are so loud. Um, and they're cool because you can see stations from all over the world that are plugged into the interwebs and they tell you right where they're at. Like this one's in Cheshire. Um, so you can kind of see what the propagation is like over in, uh, in Cheshire. Let's see. I don't know. I, don't know. This, I think I can hear it. Hmm. Anyway. But yeah, WebSDR.org is really cool for uh, checking out uh, SDRs. There used to be a cool one, SDRHU, but I don't think you can. That one's not, yeah, has been finished. So that one's not available anymore. Um, well, there's a cool site. Well, yeah, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get something to show up here. So, uh, <laughs> Obviously, uh, we have a national organization that uh, it's called the AWRL for Amateur Radio. It, uh Kind of like a lobbying body for the amateur radio users community in the United States. If you're in another country, they have normally organizations for that, like our friends to the north have uh, the RAC. That's the Radio Amateurs of Canada. Uh, over in Great Britain, RSGB.co, or was it RSGB.org, probably? Yeah, so RSGB.org. Um, so, yeah, so every uh, country normally has a, a main body that helps, uh, you know, create a, a pathway for uh, their integration with either the federal, like the federal version of what we have, the FCC, which allows uh, licensing and everything else to occur and the use of the airwaves. Um, you'll find that in all countries and stuff. And then the big parent to all of these organizations, of course, internationally is the IARU, uh, which is IARU.org, right? Let's see. Well, there's region one. Let's see, they have uh, just the IARU.org, huh? Let's see. Oh, not IAR, IARU.org. IARU! There it is. Yeah, see, <laughs> IARU, International Amateur Radio <laughs> Union. Cool. More questions? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Anywhere? Anybody? anybody. Ollie, Ollie Oxenfree. <laughs> <clears throat> I was going to show my All Star link here, maybe talk about that a little bit. Uh, except my Discord's like freaking out. <laughs> wow, well, I got quiet all of a sudden. We got all these people here and no one's saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking for whoever it was that wanted to talk more about it but had to disappear for a minute. Yeah. Sure. Getting some whiskey, I think. Oh, well, hey, that, we'll wait for that. <laughs> Are you done with work, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, as of right now. Oh, just clocking out, right? Click. Okay, there you go. Yep. 
<laughs> well, that's true. It's exactly six thirty his time. So yes, he must be he must be ready to punch out right now. <laughs> I know multiple people can stream into the channel at one time. I don't know why my Discord is just like totally oh. deciding to. Well, yeah, it should kick me off. That's what it should do. So let me uh, kill mine, and you can uh, maybe you, you can try I, yours. I just, like does not want to do anything right now. Okay, hang on. Oh, maybe because I'm watching yours. Maybe that's what the issue is. <laughs> that could be. Let's see. See if it'll do anything now. I think my laptop is telling me to go to hell at this point. Say <laughs> <laughs> so I can show him reading the logs, but it's on a different computer. That I don't. Have no, to don't you dare. <laughs> have to just jump back into this or something my my wow <laughs> not happy huh it is something is definitely not happy here let me uh let's try this well discord is really crapware uh let's see okay gonna get my video back probably not <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the... Discord is seriously not happy. I'll be back in a second because this sure, is yeah. <laughs> so I'll just uh, go back here and share this live one time. So this is our uh, our YouTube channel. Um, we don't do a lot of YouTube videos, but uh, occasionally we do. Um, we're we're going to try to pick up and get all the podcasts and stuff into YouTube because we realize people do consume the uh, podcasts or some podcasts via YouTube. I don't know why, but uh, some people do. Uh, but we also have uh, a lot of different um, uh, different videos and stuff like that here. Uh, like you can see from a couple of years ago, we have the, the Linux, the Hampshock, building your uh, ham radio uh, computer on Ubuntu. That's like a five or six six part series. Yeah, six part series. Uh, and then we also do occasionally shop talks. You can see here, there's Russ and I uh, uh, having a cigar. And you can right see there. that's normally they what I look like. I don't. Calera Esteli. Yeah, so they're. they're, uh, they're I've never had go. one before. I know who sent it to me because. So, yeah, we do all of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't really do uh, much YouTube stuff, but if you find my channel, uh, I've stream some stuff before this is like uh sdr angel um it's kind of showing the sdr application in use on my little 30 dollar uh, sdr dongle and uh oh looks like you got back russ huh yeah my stream has reduced video already audio quality this may be due to <laughs> network congestion <laughs> yeah whatever yeah it's, it's a- you it's you, Discord. It's you. <laughs> I'm going to stop mine and see what you got going on in yours and see what you got here. Uh-oh. Oh, there it is. Wow. What are yeah, you showing, showing us my, there? My Discord control panel. My Discord, yeah, whatever. My oh, All-Star Link control panel. Oh, it's like a Yezu radio. <laughs> There's no... There's uh yeah there's an antenna tuner this is this is a picture of actually my my gear um 
my Kenwood, my antenna tuner, my MFJ tuner. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. My Kenwood TS570D uh, with a little bit of uh, photo processing. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's not the important thing here. This is an all-star all link node, which is a an internet radio linking application which has some hardware components that are based on USB connections and now a new hat component connected to Raspberry Pi computers. Um, this is the control interface for it, for anybody who's watching that, and it allows you to link your radio via RF uh, across the Internet to other stations. And what's interesting about it is it can uh, link to all sorts of stations. Like right now, Tony is connected to me and Bill is connected to me via his phone through Echolink. And I have two nodes linked together, but I could actually connect to like uh, more stuff here. Let me connect to HubNet. I'm already connected to it too, so. <laughs> You're connected to HubNet right now? Yeah, 41223. All right, then I don't need to do this because I can show the bubble chart and you're already connected to it. So mm -hmm. um, if you do this, let's see, is, is that showing? It's not showing up. It's not showing it? I'm not, it looks like I'm not seeing me. I'm only seeing your node. Uh, are you connected? To, maybe you're connected to the other node. Hang on. Let me. Uh, I'm on 28357. Okay. So let me see. No, that, I think that was the node I was looking at. Yeah. Yeah. So let me look at the bubble chart on the other one. Nope. All right. So let me let me do it just so we can. Yeah, I'll just dump it. I don't have it. All right. So I'm going to connect to HubNet on here. And let's see. HubNet right there. Let's see if it actually connects to HubNet for me. <laughs> Doesn't look like it's going to. I'm not sure why. Let me connect to it. Oh, no, it did. Oh, no, we got N N0WZ connected to me via Echolink. Excellent. So... That's me. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy with uh, some more connections. Let me let me try and connect to HubNet again. I don't know why. Right, I was trying to get trying to get to work. <laughs> there we go. All right, we're connected to HubNet. So now check this out. If I if I do the bubble chart now of what we're connected to, it's going to be small. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why is that? I don't know. It's it's not showing up. It is not showing up. All right, let me let me try connecting to something else here. Let me let me get rid of HubNet. So we'll disconnect from HubNet. Well, see, mine does. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Let me, let me or more. <laughs> let me connect to like uh, Winlink or do, am I connected to the Win system? I don't know that I am. Uh, uh, here, let me try this. All right, I'm going to connect to node two three five three. Connect. All right, so I'm connected to the Win system now. Charlie, this is I think it was. So the top of the list for KS6P. Damn, good evening. Uh, no, All right, here we go. Now, we'll take a look at this bubble chart as it tries to draw itself out. There we go. <laughs> so that is what I'm connected to right now. <laughs> my, my little handheld right here is connected to all of that. 
And anybody who's connected to me is also connected to all of that. So N0WZ and K4XSS and Bill and everybody who connected to my node is now connected to everything that's in that bubble chart. So if you want to know what you can do with a 35-question test, $15 and a $26 radio, you can be a part of all of that. Or just a cell phone, right? And a license. Or just a cell phone. That's true. You do have to have the license, though, one way or the other. You've got to have that license. But lots of ways to get connected. And some somebody's listening to the network right now. I don't know what's on on the wind system right now, but yeah. I just disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you're fine. You can stay connected. I'm I'm going to go ahead and disconnect from the wind system. But All Star Link and IRLP and Echo Link are all different ways to link radios together via the internet. Um, obviously, these are not emergency communications resilient or anything like that. Um, but it is a great way to get people interested in amateur radio and get people connected. Um, and it usually leads to bigger and better things, uh, better preparedness, uh, ability to use radio communication without using the Internet, battery-operated, portable operation, things like that. So all good stuff. And let me go ahead and disconnect from the wind link because there's no reason to be connected to it right now. So, (laughs) so there we go. And I will stop streaming. There we go. So, so a little bit, a little taste of amateur radio via the internet. It's kind of cool. Bill, Bill doesn't believe in this kind of stuff, but that's all right. (laughs) No, no, it's not real ham radio. So, Tony, are you going to have a cigar? I have one waiting. All right. Well, I'm going to have one here in a little bit. So, because Bill's already used up his last one. Cause he's... I, do, I do have a pipe, so I can always switch to pipe. Well, yeah, you can always drag out a pipe. Let's, there you go. So, anybody else have any, like, questions or interests or just want to say anything about amateur radio or, or that before we, like, go ahead and wrap this yeah. thing up? I think everybody's decided that they listen to us way too long and they're dropping off. So, <laughs> no, I say, no, I'm good. I'm just being nosy like I'm always am. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a real ham radio down here. This is like, you know. We do have a question for the license. Do you still have to know Morse code? No, you do not have to know Morse code anymore. That is no longer a requirement. You can actually attain the highest level of amateur radio class, which is extra class in the United States at this point, with no Morse code knowledge at all. And I am a good example of that. <laughs> so am I. Yeah. One, one, thing, one thing I've discovered, though, in doing the program for all of these years is that everyone has sort of loved the fact that they no longer have to use Morse code to get a, a ticket anymore. And they'll often get into the general and extra class um, without that requirement. But it seems like the longer we go without that being a requirement, the more people are actually interested in doing it once they get licensed. It seemed like when it was a requirement, everyone hated it. Now that it's no longer a requirement, everybody can get into the hobby, and now they want to do it. So, (laughs) you know, take that for what it's worth, I guess. At least you can do it at your leisure now. You don't have to do it as far as uh, preparing for, for obtaining your license. 
So yeah, I'm I'm big on the keyboard transmitting. That's kind of what I do. Yeah, there are lots of applications for doing for sending and receiving, uh, decoding Morse code without actually having to know Morse code. Um, so even if you want to operate CW without even knowing it, you can certainly do that. Uh, CW decoders are not super good, but they they get you through. And then, of course, you also have all the digital modes like WSJTX and FL Digi for doing BPSK and Olivia and so on and so forth. Yeah, there yep. you go. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we all got keys. Mine's over here. Uh, yeah, my own would be this week. There's, I, there's I, mine. I bet I have the most uh, retro key of every of anybody right here. Here's my little. Here's my plate with a straight key on it. That's not <laughs> how I do Morse code. So. Oh, I got one of those too. Somewhere. <laughs> it's a ham key. Yeah. Ham key version. Air <laughs> Force. The bad guys are still using Morse code, so they had a texture just for the people listening to the Morse code. So they were a nickname called Giddy Box. And the way they would learn is they wouldn't talk normally, they would talk to each other in Morse code. They didn't pop out. They learned how to remember it all. One one thing one thing about Morse code that's probably worth saying is it's very it's very narrow banded. It requires very little bandwidth. So Morse code communications can get through tough atmospheric conditions way better than voice communications. So it's often used in emergency communications or during rough conditions and bad bands conditions to make communications between stations because it's so narrow. It's so narrow in the passband, and it can actually be heard further and clearer than than voice communication. So it still has a purpose and a function. So that's where we're going to wrap that up. There's plenty more to talk about, <laughs> and uh, there, there was a lot of information that came out after that, but that's, that's most of the show, and the rest of it is kind of post-show. So, so that show part is going to be the episode 379, and the rest of it is either going to be on YouTube or subscriber-only information or, or something like that. We'll figure out how we're going to disseminate all that. And then um, that's pretty much all we had. But unless we need to add an addendum to the hour and a half of audio we just heard, we should probably <laughs> move on to some, uh, some feedback. Yeah, this is the episode we're supposed to share all that good information, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so shall we get to feedback? Yeah, sure. I I, I I'm not looking at the Discord this time around. Normally, I am, so I don't know if there's any questions or follow-ups or, or interaction with us from the Discord. So, if you've seen anything, Bill, go ahead and hit us with it. But in the meantime, we'll go ahead and get some feedback. And Cheryl, do you want to read some feedback? Or sure. okay. Well, you, you got to talk into the microphone. You can talk to me if you want, but... Well, yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> All right, we'll hit the first one here. Okay, so our first uh, little piece of feedback is an email from Luke, KJ7BKH. He says, greetings all. I tried your Hamshack Linux linked in the homepage, and I wrote up a review. And the link for that will be in the show notes. It says, I was surprised that PAT is not in- pre-installed. Also, do you think it would be possible to include my repeater-start Linux app, which helps folks get set up on repeaters, especially if they're away from internet connectivity? 
Again, another link. It says, when I installed it, the Linux desktop seems like budgie default. No desktop background is your screenshot. Also, may I suggest serving that on an HTTPS URL for the download? It seems a very handy way to install 20.04 for a dedicated ham radio setup. Thanks for sharing. Have a great week, Luke. And that, of course, is from Luke Bryan, who got an email from a couple of weeks ago, I think, about his repeater start application. And we did talk about that on the last Short Topics episode. And uh, when Bill decides to get around to building another Linux in the <laughs> Hamshack build, he may include PAT, he may include repeater start, and he may even include a Linux in the Hamshack background as default. I mean, yeah, it's not like I don't have them available. I've just, uh, I've never set up the disk to actually replace the background. <laughs> I, I always, uh, I always do it for recording a video and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I just, I, I, I did the, the Google and thing and I found where I can make those settings changes <laughs> in the disk and make sure it propagates out when you do the install. So, uh, so maybe in the next build, I guess, uh, you, you requested a 20.10 build. So it might want to do, might be doing that. The request it, might be strong. I, I suggested a 20.10 build because <laughs> if we wait, if we wait for the next LTS, it's going to be two years. So no, that's plenty of time. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But maybe we can throw up a 2010 in the interim and I can actually serve it out as a torrent. And I've been doing that for the builds that have come up. I, I don't remember if I put out the, the 2004 one as a torrent, but if I have not, I will add it. Uh, there was a request, a request to do uh, HTTPS downloads as well. Um, I can include those on the BSM archive <clears throat> if you want. Let, yeah, my wanna... uh, server is HTTPS. It's probably just not linked that way from your site. So okay, maybe, maybe do a static redirect so all HTTP requests pull down the secure yeah. version. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's like Bill. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna enter your credit card number while you're downloading my. Uh... <laughs> Bill has no badgers to give at this point. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just set up for just serving files. So I really don't even. I I, I haven't even set up hosting properly on it. So. <laughs> Right. And of course, this is, uh, it's not like there's any information that you need to submit to this website that's going to be compromised or anything. Right. If you download this ISO. Um, he did point out that you did not put up any SHA sums or MD5 sums. So that might be useful though. Sure. <laughs> Some people enjoy those things. Some people like to spend 40 seconds waiting for MD5 sum to run. Just to verify that it is what it is. It is yes, what it I is. Can, That's right. right. And when they burn it onto their little SD card, it's not going to be corrupted and all that. I get it. I get it. I can do that because it does actually generate the MD5s when, uh, when I make the files. I just don't include them up on the server. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll do that in the next build. I'll, uh, I'll take a look at that. Pat is in the repo. And of course, repeater start is in the repo as well because we installed it and talked about it uh, an episode or two ago so uh um i don't see any problem with that but uh, i appreciate the feedback luke yeah absolutely and the link of course to your full review will be in the show notes if anybody wants to go down and see what you thought of the build uh they can go ahead and check that out and i'll let go ahead bill go ahead and uh, read this next bit of feedback because it went directly to him and i've been told that it's something that i need to address and hopefully <laughs> it's a question that i can actually answer but go ahead Alrighty, yeah this email came in uh, from frank manyard uh, nf8m uh, a few weeks ago 
Uh, I, I failed to respond to him, but here it is anyway. Uh, hey, Bill, podcast number 368 on remote access was a good one. Due to ongoing bugs and getting N1MM to run in wine, I finally bought a small off-lease Windows machine just to run N1MM. It's headless, and I RDP to it using a Remina. So it works very well. The Windows box just appears as another desktop in KDE, and I can thus drive N1MM, and therefore the rig from anywhere I can VPN or RDP from. I'm a big fan of Mocha Telnet and RDP clients for iOS. I just wish they'd resolve the Kex algorithm incompatibility with my web host, or maybe it's just me. Uh, Kex, by the way, is shorthand for key exchange just for anyone who's interested. <laughs> yep. Uh, I am still trying to figure out how to forward audio from the uh, TS590SG through the Shack Linux box to another Linux box and have it play through the speakers. I'm able to select the source and Audacity to get it to record, but I like to get it in the speaker or headphones. Can you point me at any resources that might help? I didn't see anything in the show notes. I don't need to send audio back to the rig since I only use it for DCW. I'm just using MoRiddy between N1MM and the rig. For what it's worth, I'm running a Fedora 32 and KDE. Maybe GNOME has better tools for this? Question mark. Uh, I might also try the DIY RigPi approach you talked about since the software is cheap enough and I ha- already have a RigPi 3 or a Pi 3. That's currently used to display my bird feeder camera on our family room TV. So, <laughs> fair, fair enough. There's the, there's the email from Frank, and I just responded to him tonight. Uh, I sent him a few links on setting up. Uh, let's see here, setting up a sending your audio over Pulse Audio um, using Raspberry Pi, but you can use it with anything else. This is using the uh, Pulse Audio Module Zero Conf and the Avahi Daemon, and this allows you to somewhat quickly and easily set up uh, streaming between computers and also includes a, a link on uh, how to set up the client, how to set up the server, and so on and so forth. And the other option I uh, sent him was talking about casting devices, which uses the, um, uh, what is it, the uh, PA prefs uh, package to uh, get to the Pulse Audio preferences so you can see some more options for each device. And I think that might, uh, combination of two, at least in my initial thoughts and looks at the devices, would probably help him uh, transport that audio off that computer to another one. What what did you do when you did yours, if you can remember? Well, the thing about it was all I had to do was send it on the remote side to create a TCP stream for Pulse Audio to come into the device because the software I was using on the other end, IEFL Digi, already knew how to uh, intercept Pulse Audio TCP streams. So I didn't have to go directly into Pulse Audio. But I think some combination of using PA preps or PAVU control will allow you to create a sync for the inbound TCP audio. And then you can just use that to reference, you, you know, whatever your sound settings are. So you can uh, say you want to receive audio from that particular sync as opposed to a local sync. And uh, it will just work for you as a, as if it were a local audio device. It will kind of uh, create an abstraction to, as a local audio device. So you could then hear it through headphones, speakers, whatever you want. I originally thought when, when I was reading this that he was talking about doing the same thing on the remote machine and you'd have to use something else like um, a loopback or um, the 
thing where you have audio coming into multiple streams at the same time, but he's talking about remote audio, not, not, uh, multiple local. Yeah. yeah so I think, I think a combination of these two or, you know, maybe just understanding how, how pulse audio works anyway, you know, it, it virtually is a, a audio, uh, transport itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just, you just have to expose the, the audio that's coming in from that remote stream as a device, a local device. And I think uh, PA preps and PA view control are the two um, pieces of software you need to create that local sync that you'll actually be able to hear through some local uh, audio receiver device. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, with that, I believe we have come down to the end of the show. But before we go, we want to mention the folks who are listening to our, you know, live from tape show tonight. Um, we had uh, in the chat room with us tonight Don KB2YSI, Don KC9ZMY, Tony K4XSS, and Ted WA0IR. So we want to thank everybody who tuned in tonight, and we hope you enjoyed this uh, little bit of a flashback to OLF 2020. Uh, I really enjoyed being a part of that, and I hope you know all of these conferences go back to being in person at some point. But I kind of dig some of the features of having them virtual too. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, um, and I will say that the participants were fantastic. We had a lot of great things and for, uh, there's so much more, like we said, that you haven't heard. Uh, and we will, we will get that out so you can hear it because as the night wore on, we all had a little more liquor in us and we had more participation <laughs> and it, it got really good. So not, not, not to say that what you heard so far wasn't good. But it gets better. So. <laughs> yeah, and I, I literally just pulled an arbitrary spot to stop the <laughs> stop right. what we were what we were putting out for the episode. So uh, um, if it seemed like it was an abrupt finish, it was probably just because of my poor selection. <laughs> but uh, I think we kind of ended on a good note talking about how the discontinuation of Morse code and stuff like that in the uh, licensing process. So, um, but yeah, it was a really fun night, and uh, yeah, people just kept popping in and popping out and stuff like that. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and I wouldn't mind doing something similar to that again. It was it was quite a blast. Right, and thanks to Vance and um, Bethlin. Bethlin for putting all this stuff together, getting us involved, uh, keeping OLF running through all of the calamity that's going on right now in 2020. And um, I'm sure we'll be participating in all of this come the future. You know, hand yeah, all the people at Geek Bacon too, right? Beacon, oh, yeah. Beacon for, for, Geek Beacon. Geek Beacon yeah. for providing the Beacon. service and streaming everything out and doing all the recording and, and uh, allowing us to participate in all that and uh, be a bigger part of the community. So, so thanks to everyone. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. This Wait. has what? Wait. What? what? Oh. I had something I wanted to say. Say oh. something. Well, I, thought, I thought we asked if anybody had something to say earlier. Well, but. I. <laughs> didn't have a chance to get in there all right sorry so anyway i i also did a cooking boff to raise money for olf to help offset the cost of this conference and future conferences but i was in competition with better boffs <laughs> so better boffs let's say well, different different boffs, boffs. okay <laughs> so anyway there my my boff was attended decently well but Beth Lynn is extending the fundraiser until the 1st of December. And we are, my, my boff was actually recorded. It has not been uploaded to YouTube yet, as far as I know. 
But will be. But will be eventually, yeah. yeah. So you can catch that one. There will be a second BOF done via via Zoom meeting on November 29th. Um, We have not set up a time yet. I will cover completely different recipes for that. Again, it's a fundraiser. We're raising money for OLF. So please stop by. Check out the cool recipes I'm going to be doing. I'm going to rook Russ into helping me. Yeah, I know. He just gave me this look of horror. I don't know. His, his luck with OBS is probably not too good either. Yeah. So. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, I've got no. OBS running like a dream. So that's right. Yeah, well, trust me. You wait till you see him do uh, barbecue, uh, Korean, uh, Korean barbecue. barbecue. Yeah. Barbecue, Korean barbecue. Yeah, yep. barbecue, Korean out. barbecue. Yeah. On our indoor grill. So anyway. It comes out so good. You can have it for dinner that <laughs> all night. Right. All right. I'll do and some we'll, we'll include links, of course, in the show notes yep. for the uh, OLF uh, YouTube channel and all that stuff where you can get all this information. And, and there'll it, be events set up on Facebook and for, all the, that. for the new Zoom meeting. So, All right. Anything all right. else? No, that's no, it. that's it. All right. That's it. Okay, then with that, we will call this the end of episode number 379 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.
Linux in the Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.